Phil, man, thank you very much for coming on the show, man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on board, bro. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. No, it's exciting. I was speaking to you a little bit beforehand. It's always exciting for me as an athlete and an aspiring coach to communicate with guys that are on your level that have not only been there and done that, but are helping many different athletes from many different backgrounds get involved. And I'm interested to kind of hop into a little bit of you and the psychology and how kind of the, the guy that we see today has been formulated through the years. So take me back real quick. Now, you used to, you used to play football before you transitioned across, right? Now, was there a foundational sport prior? to that football or was football like life from a young age um you know I, I did martial arts as a kid so from like four to eight years old I was engulfed in martial arts I did Kempo karate and I was a big boxing fan as a kid um but in Florida in South Florida where I'm at football is like the only thing that people think about so yeah. I started playing that um at the age of eight or seven or eight years old I believe and, you know, I, I didn't really look back until my college career was over. So, I mean, for a lot of the times, I still like fighting. I still watch boxing. Like, definitely was an avid fan. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my sole focus was being able to make it or try to make it to the NFL. And it was it was like I kind of bypassed. I was like, my, I remember my uncle when I was a young, I was probably like 13, 14 years old. And he goes, so, uh, so what do you think you're going to do with this football thing? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to make it to the NFL. Like, there was no, no other, doubt. There was nothing else, you know? He's like, well, what about college? I'm like, yeah, that's a given. Like, we got to make it to the NFL. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm well, going to get a scholarship. It's cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know? But, um, but little did I know that it's a little bit harder than just that, you know? Just, oh, we go to the NFL. I'm fi First of all, I'm not that big of a guy. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to yeah, bring it up. We're going to go there. It's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely vertically challenged in that perspective of a football player. So, 5'8", 205 pounds now, so I'm wide. So I was like, man, I can't get tall, but I can grow out this way and make sure that I'm maintaining my speed. And the, and the great thing about where I'm at, the environment that I was in, man, I went, I played and practiced with so, so many good athletes. You know, um, I was around so many good athletes. My, my high school football team, we had three guys went to the NFL. So, I mean, there's there's a larger pool of talent here in South Florida. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was more for me to kind of catch up and, and make sure that I could put myself out there and be noticed by what I was doing. Um, I, I mean, I ran a, a sub four five forty, so that's not that bad, especially for a white guy who's five eight. So I, I had to stand <laughs> out there and then I could hit. So like, I didn't give a damn about my body. Can I curse on here, by the way? Of course you fucking oh. can. Oh, so that's my man. I like, so I didn't give a fuck about my body at that point. Right. So at the end of the day, I would just ram my head into the other guy's head. And honestly, the, my, my major thing was like, how many, how many cuts can I get on my helmet at the end of, of the season? You know? And that was like, that was like an accomplishment for us. Yeah, so tissue I, your stripes on a tiger. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Little did I know that that's not that good for your brain. Um, so It'll catch up to me later on. I was going to say, yeah, it's like, like CTE slowly starting to come into play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't, but listen, they didn't teach us. I mean, they really didn't teach us how to tackle. They were just like, put your head down and go for it, you know? And I remember my first concussion, I was probably around, I guess, I, it was like the first practice. And I got one. I was eight years old, and we did, uh, it was Oklahoma drill. And, he, and I remember, and my best friend, was my best friend, too. He actually still works for me. He's my video guy now. And we went head to head. And just clash looked like two rams, boom, you know. Um, but that's when I found out that I just didn't give a damn, and I just I was ready to at least inflict some type of pain on somebody. So, you know. But you know, going further on in high school, 
pretty I did pretty well there. I got into some trouble as a kid. Um, 16 years old, you know, I ended up having to leave uh, my one school that I was at and then going and transferring over to another high school, which actually worked out well because that high school that I went to was actually a better high school football team. So I was like, yes, I got to <laughs> win team. I almost felt like fucking LeBron in a sense, you know, like going to Miami. <laughs> but, but I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not married to this high school. So, you know, um, but it was fun because I was the new guy. It was my senior year. I was the new guy, you know. And, and let me tell you something. I, I'm, I grew up in a pretty rough area. So I'm a little rough around the edges. And you can see that from, like, some of my older interviews. If you go and you and you type in, like, Dean Thomas and Phil DeRue, ATT PSL interview, you will see that I was like, I don't know if you guys know anything about MMA, but like Mike Perry, like that was me when I was like 19, 20 years old. So I was the first person to have golds, like gold teeth. I had, I was the first person, I was the first kid in my school to have a tattoo, you know, and now everybody's got tattoos, but I remember, <laughs> I, remember I was like the one, the trendsetter in that way. Um, but I stood out though, because again, Deerfield High School, where I, where I ended up graduating and playing, it was a predominantly black school. So I stood out in that way and I was one of the, you know, it was a tough, big white boy that they called, you know what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, I was looking to set my mark, not only in that high school, but in the area. And, um, and luckily I did so, you know, just from, just from my work ethic, I think that that carries over too yeah. as well. Not the biggest, not the fastest. I was strong. Don't get me wrong. That's why they call me Daru Strong. <laughs> all right so that was corny but don't <laughs> keep it rolling so yeah but no i actually did i was i was pretty strong because i started lifting weights uh right around 11 and 12 years old because i was just like man i always was one of those guys that wanted to be big wanted to be strong wanted to be that guy you know in any in any sport that i was playing and i played multiple sports but again like i said football was my main thing and i honestly now looking back at it being you know, being a professional in mixed martial arts, I wish I would have wrestled um, in high school where my where the wrestling coach did ask me to join. But the problem was, remember, I'm an undersized linebacker, so yeah. I didn't want to stay in a weight class. Now, if I was bigger at the time, like let's say if I was like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, then hell yeah, I'd probably go ahead and wrestle because I got room to grow. I know I'm going to grow. But when you're looking at recruiters and, and colleges are looking at you, you can't I can't not get any bigger. So I needed to get bigger and I needed to get faster. So that's when I started to really understand programming and periodization and learning how to train myself. And it started when I was 15, 16 years old. So I used to, I used to read a lot of Joe DeFranco yeah. and a lot of West Side articles. And so that's how I got connected with those guys. And now Joe's like a mentor to me. Obviously, Louis is a mentor of mine. And that kind of molded the way I coach now. Obviously, I, I do some new things and I and I pick up you on some things. You can see that, that though. You can see that hundred percent in your styles yeah. and and like your exercise choice variations and your cycles and stuff. It's like you can see a lot of that stuff is is kind of carried over a hundred percent there. Yeah, I mean it's tried and true. I think I think that yeah. you know, I don't. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel over here. I think that I'm I am trying to navigate what's going to be best for the athlete in sub, in in their subjective measures. And I think that simplicity is overlooked in a lot of ways you know man fuck yes so and and i get it i mean a lot of fighters and i'm look i'm talking from my perspective because mm -hmm. i do work with a lot of fighters yeah they do like that that specificity because they think that it's going to automatically transfer over into the sport but let's face it a lot of them are not great movers and they're very novice in the weight room at that so 
first and foremost, we have to develop a base of strength and aerobic capacity and just have that balance there and moving efficiency. Yeah. That's one thing that I, that I think that a lot of young strength coaches forget is that you got to set that baseline, man. And just because it doesn't look sexy for Instagram, you know, it has to be done. You know what I'm saying? So stop a lot. Of, and I got and I have I have a mentorship program that I mentor like over 300 coaches from around the world. These guys are sharp, though. I, I like what they're doing because they understand the concepts of simplicity first and making sure that's efficient and effective. And so what I usually harp on them is, is like, listen, take something that's very easy to do and make sure that there's maximal intent put behind that. And then you'll get the positive adaptations that you need and set them up for future things that are going to enhance the qualities of the fight game or whatever sport they're playing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I always talk about it with my class. It's like movement with a purpose. You know, it's mm -hmm. like in, intentional movement through through function. It's like, I think so many people are so fast to, like you say, you know, they want to get to that sexy stage where they've got like their athletes on Insta squatting five plates and fucking yeah. screaming down the weights room. And it's like, Bro, you, you you don't you don't understand the years of foundational building that should be behind that five plate squat because that five plate squat should just be the stepping stone for the next lift. Yeah. I, I think and I think it's really 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 important we, we talk about this and especially with like young athletes as well that this whole process I think well, I spoke about it when Matt Wedding was on the podcast talking about how you breaking down those stages of learning you know the first kind of fifteen years of of life is like that that should be where the foundation is built and it's like okay when you really think about that you've got guys that are coming to the game that maybe didn't you know start lifting until they're I don't know. 16 17 18 it's like motherfucker you better you better start being real humble with your weights right now otherwise you're going to be putting yourself in some precarious situations further down the line and you also got to think like okay they started lifting weights but how did they really start lifting weights the right way <laughs> yeah 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 like this you, fucking you might dead say, oh, I've, been like... lifting, I've been lifting for five years but it, honestly you've been lifting for negative five years is that you haven't really yeah. done the I'll right have thing to regress so... all this shit yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's uh let... so i do like a basic assessment like i want to make sure that they're moving efficiently and i got this one this is funny because i just had him on my podcast um uh cory uh uh what's his name i can't say his last name but he's he's i can't pronounce it my bad Corey. but he's uh the head strength and conditioning coach for the phoenix suns yeah, yeah and he actually has them just basically sit down and stand up and he watches them because he trains basketball players they're fucking lengthy as shit yeah. but me that's me you know my guys my guys will get up very efficiently because they're movers on the ground but i also want to see dysfunction i want to see imbalances where do they usually favor that's going to be a key concept because, again, a lot of these guys are fixed in those one-dimensional positions, and then they end up having these compensation patterns over time. And then, when you know, a lot of guys – and it depends on the person, obviously. It depends on their background. Yeah. Uh, you got jiu-jitsu guys that are way different than boxers. you got judo guys that are way different than wrestlers in some cases, right? Because of the wrestlers, they're more crouched down. They, they're more of a knee bender, where yeah. judo, they're upright, right? So – it definitely plays a role in how you program. And then again, you have to look at it like, what are they getting inside of their skills training? And then from there, we got to take what they're not getting and get that efficient, right? So I got to work on the things that they're not doing inside of their skills training because I can control that. I can, it's a controllable environment. And then we just plug gaps from there. And meanwhile, in the background, what no one else is realizing is that these kids are then hitting like, three four game sessions a week on top of everything as well and this it's a really interesting topic that i wanted to come on to like 
as a coach, obviously, it's very, very much a balanced game. And it's a balanced game with every single individual athlete because every individual athlete will have its own recovery time. It will have exercise movements that it favors, that it needs less recovery from, etc., etc., etc. But when you have kids that are coming in and it's like, okay, we have this foundation that we need to create. We have this off offset that we need to rectify. And we've got to keep you healthy for the three games, the game sessions you're going to have during the week and you're fucking playing at the weekend. As a coach, how are you doing that in that environment? Because that's, I mean, that is like, it's the fucking holy grail, right? If you nail that, then you've got the perfect athletes. Yeah, I mean, looking at recoverability history is, is key for me. You know, how well that they can recover from game to game, from practice to practice, from session to session. And then I like to use acute chronic workload too as well, you know, from the weeks to the month. On top of that, if you wanted to go technology-based, you can use an HRV monitor too as well. I think HRV... Um, is a good tool. I, like I said, you need to be able to develop a coach's eye and communicate with the athlete too as well. I mean, yeah. a lot of, I'll go into one, one rant. That's it. A lot of these Do coaches <laughs> relying on too much technology Amen. to dictate the training programs and to dictate the training sessions. It's like, that's why they don't, they can't communicate well with the athlete. That's why they can't auto-regulate properly because you don't see what you see. Like, you don't even know what you don't know. Yeah. At this particular time, you need to step back. Let the technology be one tool. It's a but biomarker. Time, like Yes. At the same time, you need to develop the art of coaching, which is your ability to communicate properly, which is your uh, ability to watch a situation and assess that situation in real time. So, when, when I have these interns come in, I'm looking and I'm, and I'm writing stuff on the board, right? And, you know, basically I'm like, okay, this is what the system is called for to do today. Yeah. Now, when I throw an audible in there, it fucking boggles their mind. They're like, but that's not what happened on the board. I said, I don't give a fuck what's on the damn board. You do what we got to do to get what's, what's necessary for the athlete, right? Yeah. Oh. But I mean, that's I, testament to a good coach, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you've got an athlete that's coming in, you're like, okay, we're programmed to do, like, these X, Y, and Z movements today. That They come in, they're slightly beaten up, they jump underneath, a, I don't know, a fucking safety squat bar, and you just see that their form's like shit, and you're like, well, that's that fucking session out of the window because we, yeah. need to, we need to change this fucking dysfunction right now. Otherwise, the next 45 minutes that we're spending on is going to be for shit because we're just going to be reinforcing a crap movement pattern. Well, so, even then... Like even then, I, I still believe in you. You gotta let you gotta let the dogs eat, right? So at the end of the day, I'm still gonna give them something that they can do to elicit that stimulus response. Yeah. Whether you know, even if it's an overcoming isometric in a mini max, right? Let's say for instance a mid thigh a mid thigh rack pull, right into pins. That's fine. We're gonna get some force production out of that. On top of that, though, we do need to do some correctives and make sure that we're giving them more frequency in that exercise slow yeah. down that exercise, put less weight on that exercise, and then improve the motor patterns accordingly. So now we're giving them the, we're putting them in the position to do more load, more intensities down the line. So again, you can't stop the progress, but you still need to make sure that you're increasing all these other demands at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's again, that the case of communicating with, with your athletes and as a coach, having that keen eye to, to kind of see when they're coming off of like the back of good peaks and things are moving well and their performance is going up mm -hmm. in the sport for you to, to take a step back and rather than being like, 
hey, fucking look at how good I am. Look at how big my dick is. It's like, okay, actually, yeah, we're in a good place right now, but yeah. I think we can tweak this up. I still think we can pull this in. I still think that we can edge like that a little bit more out of your VO2. Like, I think I think that's that, that's a really, really important factor. And do you think, mm -hmm. I think I kind of already know the answer there, is that just through sheer experience and getting in there and working in those teams? I mean, 100%. I think that you need... As a as a as a coach, first of all, you need to have experience with other athletes, with all different types of athletes, you know. And as a as a lifter, as a fighter, as a co or as a as an athlete, I always say fighter now because I work with so many. But as an athlete, you know, getting in there and feeling that, uh, feeling that bar, feeling the movement, understanding, having proper proprioception, kinesthetic awareness in every movement pattern, because you never know what's going to happen inside a game or a fight or whatever. So that's why I follow along the lines of the conjugate more so because that constant variation is going to put them or get them strong in all these other positions so that there is yeah. no weak points. But yeah, getting back to that, I think that a lot of coaches, they, they come straight out of college or they come, you know, off of a, you know, out of university or off an internship. The goal really is to make sure that one, you are communicating, you are seeing things from all different angles and you're working with so many different athletes from so much, so many walks of life. That was the great thing about like when I started, I used to work with a lot of general pop when I was fighting because that I needed to make money. Right. So I'm like, all right, what the fuck is going on? You can't even squat right now. So like I'm like, all right. And I'm working and I'm talking about I work from I work with kids as young as seven years old to grown men, old men. Yeah. As old as like 76. Right. And honestly, there's no real big difference other than the fact that the age gap is there. But movement efficiency is not here anymore. You know what I mean? Because we get put in these fixed positions. You, what do you do? You go to you know you you go to work. You sit in a desk. You get in your car. You drive home. You probably lay down. That's it. That's all you got, right? You never pass TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your posture's all fucked up. You know your hips don't don't have proper mobility. You know, have proper external rotation, internal rotation. You know, you can't move at all. Like your thoracic spine is fucked, right? And then from there, what do they do? They compensate. So now you have compensation patterns. Ends up having you ends up having uh, you know, obviously injuries down the line. So yeah. that we gotta we gotta get back to being able to move efficiently. And I think yeah. that that's the thing. That's the starting point. And then from there, you can ultimately load and go there. Go from there. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I find it really, really interesting that you kind of talk about the fact that, you, you know, you love to use that conjugate method because I think especially when when you look at the, like, the broad spectrum of what each kind of individual sport is, is really requiring from you to come up with a, a strength-based system that really kind of ticks a lot of those boxes across the board at once is a fucking tough job to do. And this is why I find more and more interesting the more I learn about conjugate, the more people I kind of have the experience to chat to about it is that is this, it seems to be this really multifunctional tool for a lot of coaches to, to be able to work with pretty much anyone yeah. just varying load, exercise selection, sure. accommodating resistance, et cetera, et cetera. And I wish I could show you this board right here. Can you flip the board over for me? So like, I, I usually train... My main guys right now are all combat sports related. I do have some high school football players, and I, we have some youth baseball players too as well. But it all is conjugate. What is conjugate? It's constantly varying exercises, intensities, volumes, right? And, and Louis says it all the time. It's like 
you change your clothes. Your clothes are, are conjugate. Like, I'm like, like <laughs> right? You have to constantly change the cause of stimulus adaptation to occur because you're gonna you're going to accommodate. And the and the goal is to never delineate. We don't want to detrain any aspect of of performance, especially for athletes, right? So like if you guys can see here, I don't know if you can really see it, but yeah, um, so, that, so there is just a basic outline of a four-week cycle for your max effort lifts and then i have my three three-week pendulum waves for dynamic effort yep. and i'm picking primarily i'm picking the exercises that are going to have the, the best dynamic correspondence for for that particular sport for that athlete but again it's very simple right you have i think what i have on there my main lifts that i love to utilize is and we're talking about indicator lifts something that's going to have quote unquote a kpi right yeah. so i have the sumo deadlift and i know I know Matt likes the sumo deadlift a lot, right? I like the sumo deadlift with my athletes, especially for boxing, judo, and MMA because you get lateral force displacement. So now I'm activating the hips, I'm activating yeah. ABDUCTORS because they need to be in and out, right? They need to have that ability to create torque, right? And, and yeah, produce- hold that tension through the floor throughout, you know, especially if you're grappling, anything like that, you're being able to hold that center of gravity, being strong in that position, yeah, 100%, man. And through experience, right, I found that my guys have a stronger back than they have stronger hips, believe it or not, because their hips are so tight, it enables the ability to produce force from the hips. So now getting them out in that wide position, right, that, that, that will help with hip dexterity. That'll increase their range of motion, which will increase the ability to produce that force and absorb force. So I'll do things like a sumo deadlift. Uh, we obviously will do box squatting. 14-inch uh, box, whatever whatever parallel we want to go. Yeah. Um, and I'll change the bars up, right? For the bench press, we don't really do full bench press. Obviously, I'll do a close grip bench press or I'll do a floor press or I'll do an incline bench press, something like that. Um, but again, I also like to do seal rolls, right? So I'm, I'm one of those guys that like, man, listen, whatever we can do to test that's going to have that the greatest ability to be effective but also super efficient, let's do it, right? Yes, I'll, I'll even do a maximal effort seal row, believe it or not, that. right? And and so what I'll do is I'll, I'll set those base marks, right? I'll set those baselines and benchmarks. And then from there, we'll just take the percentages. We load it appropriately. Now, uh, for me, and, I, and and this is what I go through in my mentorship course, but for me, you know, I'm going to do weeks one through four, right? But that fourth week, I do want to give them more reps. So I do want to increase the frequency there. Yeah. Now, if they are highly efficient, like my boxers now have been with me for almost five years. So they're very efficient now because I've been constantly cueing them and they've been doing this. They've been working the system. So yeah. now we have the ability to work in those higher, higher ranges, those higher intensities, those one rep max intensities, yeah. because they have the technical efficiency to do so. Right. They have the inter and intramuscular coordination. Now we can have some fucking fun. Yeah. Right. And that's where you're going to see. One, you're going to see force production being increased, but also the rate of force production, which is very important for a sport like boxing. So, again, we want to be able to um, produce that force as fast as possible. Now, with MMA, these guys are training so many things at once throughout the weeks. So, for them, they're not as efficient in the lifts because there's so much, there's so much less frequency that I can do with them. Right? Sometimes I only have guys two times a week, if that. And then a lot of these guys don't live in the area so they'll come like i got you and jay check she lives in poland so like for her the great thing is that i have her strength coach she he does similar things that i do and she gets a gpp base when she comes in then she's good to go she knows but, as well yeah yeah but a lot of my guys don't have that ability right 
And let's face it, man, like I can give them the program, but they're not going to do it the way we want them to do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so I get back and then, I have to, yeah, I have to rewire things and I have to, again, do some things that are going to enhance the quality of the athlete, make sure we're getting that stimulus, but again, make it very simple for them to do so. But that's, that's the basic system. And, and for that, that's going to be more in season, in camp style. But the off camp is solely predicated on building up GPP and building up an aerobic base and building up local muscular endurance. Because let's face it, in a fight, like in any sport, right, we need to be able to cover all aspects. We need to be able to build that base like I was talking about earlier in the show. Yeah, 100%. And it's so funny because like even from an MMA standpoint, I mean, it, it literally to an extent, I'm just I'm hearing the echoes of Matt Wenning and everything that you're saying and everything that you do it, 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 in the respect of the, that whole offseason, you know, he hammers on about GPP, but GPP obviously through the full powerlifting conjugate system being just like a shit ton more volume, a shit ton more frequency, slightly lighter weights and just blowing everything up, getting that physical preparedness just up through the roofs then when you start to come into the hypertrophy phase and then that strength phase shit man you just get to a point where you're like repping your one rep maxes from the last cycle because your body is in such a good physical condition because you've taken that time which again it's like you know if it feels like you're hammering your head into a brick wall sometimes but like telling those athletes to be like okay motherfucker let's just take take a step off let's yeah. get your body where it needs to be let's get you fit and get you functional and then all that shit that you want to do right now, you're going to be so much better at it. Like just. Four. Yeah. And, and, and again, you're, you're, you're reducing the risk of injury. I'm not going to say you're going to totally negate it, but you, yeah, you are reducing the risk. It for, for, for sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, I powerlift now. And when I started doing powerlifting, like my guys, and I, and I didn't coach myself. I can't do that shit. Right. Cause I, I'll go crazy. Like I'll do too much. Right. So I had my guys kind of, kind of program for it and they ran a, a basic block. Right. But, but the block was, you know, it was, it was constant. It was the same exercise over and over again. Then I ended up getting, you know, knee tendonitis or patella tendonitis, elbow tendonitis, just a bunch of overuse injuries, right? So I was like, damn, okay, well, here's the goal. And, I'm, and I know conjugate works. So I went back to that. And now no, no nagging injuries. You know, obviously, I can't stop the fact that when I was in jiu-jitsu, obviously, I have a I don't know if you know I have an ACL tear. Yeah, yeah, but, dude. Oh, dude, motherfucker, I'm getting right onto that in a bit. Don't you worry. We get we get stuck in there. But that's that's a different story, right? That's trauma. That that's yeah. not my yeah, you yeah. know. But an overuse injury should never happen if you're programming the correct the correct way and you're and you're you're auto regulating and deloading the, the proper way. You know what I'm saying? So, with that being said, I think that with all the wear and tear on an athlete each day from from just practice, right? And then you throw in the games there. And then you throw in outside stresses. Remember, stress is systemic. So at the end of the day, I got to make sure that I'm, again, giving them the most of what they need, but also minimizing that risk of overtraining, of fucking, you know, overdoing a certain movement pattern. And, this, and just, again, keeping them safe throughout the time that they need to be successful, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I, I find it very, very refreshing as well to kind of hear you use the terms like overtraining and stuff like I know there are a lot of a lot of guys out there that are like, there's no such thing as overtraining, yada yada yada. Like in, in like a powerlifting weightlifting environment, like I to an extent I can kind of get it. No, no, for sure, but, for sure. But when you're talking about athletes like 
motherfucker, I've been there. So I, I, I played, uh, I played a very high standard rugby all my life. I was county. I was in a professional academy from the, the age of 13 to 18 uh, and trialed internationally. But five minutes before my trial, I had torn my posterior cruciate ligament. So, so yeah, Damn. I did that. I've done some ACL damage. My meniscus is all fucked up. So, so. so how did that happen though? Like, did it? Did that was it... that was in training. So I I was training with my my club team on a Thursday night. I got a really nasty tap tackle from behind, and I just felt like yeah. my knee wasn't hundred percent right. And I was like, oh, okay. So I played on the Saturday on like ultra dry ground. I just got like block tackled from behind. My shin hit the floor, and my patella just like kept on going. And I was like, oh, like try to get up, just couldn't fully extend my leg, couldn't put any weight on. I was like, I'll run this off. This is gonna be fine. <laughs> it's okay. And just yeah. sat on the five meter line, like, please, no one come in my channel because I can't move for shit right now. And after that, I was like, okay, coach, you need to get me off. <laughs> you need to be, get me out yeah. of here, man. Do you know what I mean? You know what, man? I, re- I have so much respect for rugby players, man. I feel like I feel like they're like a cross between MMA and football. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> a mindset. And also, believe it or not, it's like the energy systems are, are similar too, from, from mixed martial arts to rugby. You know, um, I had an intern of mine um, who played for Wales, and uh, then he moved out here. And then um, I had another guy that also played in the UK. And these guys, man, like anything I threw at them, it was it was like, what you got? What else you got for me, coach? Like, and they're, and they're from overseas, you know, so they, they were hard-nosed, man. They were, they were ready to get after it, which which kind of reminded me a lot of those guys, those young, hungry MMA guys. So it was cool to, to really work with those guys, you know? But, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. And kind of going back to, to, to what we're kind of saying there with, with the, the injuries and whatnot, I think, again, like, to, to an extent, I feel like, especially as a coach now, I feel like I have learned so much through my injuries like to to, yeah. to this extent like i've got loads of fucking impact damage from years of rugby fucked up obviously like knees ankles various different things the amount of time i spent on the physio table when i was younger was just crazy yeah. but the fact is now is that as a coach i can come into it and i can be like okay motherfucker i know what's coming here because i've seen this before we need to correct this we need to get this working and then when you do it and people see results they're like you're a fucking wizard it's like no 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 no, no. like i've just been broken as shit my whole life you don't understand yeah, yeah, man. so like it's so funny, bro, because, like, I got guys, like, that have been – have years in the game. You know what I mean? And, and like, uh, a guy by the name of King Mola Wall, he's a Bellator fighter, right? This motherfucker, man, I tell you right now, he's had about seven knee surgeries. I, he gave me more information than 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 any doctor could ever give. <laughs> give you know? I'm like, how the fuck did you – he's like, man, you once you have this many injuries, you kind of figure it out, you know? So – I look at it as a blessing. When I got my, when I tore it, I was like, I mean, I was pissed, but I was like, all right, let's take the opportunity. Let's make it a positive and let's learn from this situation because now I want to be a better coach because now I can, again, identify what we need to do if it ever does happen and we can mitigate it if I feel it's going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, definitely you got to kind of go through the fire in a bit. And, And that's why I think that I hate to say it, but like with, with you, you being, you played rugby. Do you coach any of the rugby guys now? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I co- coach a few rugby players, yeah. Yeah, so, like, the buy-in there probably is way higher than somebody who's never fucking put on a, a rugby uniform and stepped on the field. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the guys with me is like, yo, I fought before. I continue to train. I actually fucked up my knee training. You know, it's funny because, like, I've had eight years of professional fighting. Eight years of professional fighting. I've trained for ten years. 
at a, at, you know, at, at a, at a competitive level. And I do old man fucking gi jujitsu and end up tearing my ACL. Is it some shit? <laughs> Dude, but it's always the way, isn't it? Like the amount of people that I've spoken to that have like just jacked up their backs from doing like the most mundane shit. And it's like, yeah, they're like, they do motocross. They do fucking like calisthenics and shit. And they're like, oh man, like I got out of my car the other day and I slipped a disc. And you're like, motherfucker, how? I what? Know, right? <laughs> oh. How old are you, by the way? So I'm 26. You're 26. So when I turned 30, I, I didn't know that people were telling me, like, man, you're going to start to feel it. Don't let them tell you this shit, right? Because you're mentally already like, fuck, I'm old. I'm getting old. Your body's breaking down, yeah. right? Especially yeah. guys like us who's been competing since we were kids. The miles are there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So so now I'm like, damn, man, I, I can't recover the way I used to. I can't do this shit. I, I got to think about when I fucking go to do a broad jump. Now I can't, I can't be doing all this. So, but you know what that does, though? That sets you up to give information to the young guys based off of your experiences. But do you know what's so funny, man? You know what's so funny? It's like, as a kid, it's that whole cliche thing where, like, you've got that, like, older sensei figure that's like, listen, these are the things that you need to do. You need to look after your body. Dude, as, like, a, as like a, as like a young teenage kid where you were jacked up on that testosterone, you don't want to listen to that motherfucker ever. And, like, now we're in that position where we're like, oh, shit, if only we listened. And now we're yeah, trying to be yeah. that guy. Yeah, I, I don't know if I was – I don't know if I was like that to a degree, but I definitely knew that I, – I, I definitely thought that I was indestructible for sure, 100%. Yeah. Like, I thought I was fucking super superhuman. I mean, I'm still kind of superhuman. In a way, I feel like I'm bouncing back faster. So I'm gonna say I, I call myself a mutant, and if I keep that going, Hell maybe yeah. I won't, or won't feel as old. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> Manifest it, bro. Just keep saying it. Manifest it. Let's it. go. It has to be done. It has to be done. Shit, my son trying to get in. So with the with with the whole ACL thing, like I think it's very very interesting. Like as as it happened, like do you feel that? you just had more of a hyper-awareness around it, around your athletes post-tear, like that you maybe didn't necessarily have before, you're like just looking for things a little bit more, or do you do you kind of feel like you're like, ah, it is what it is, it's a part of the package, especially in, in like MMA, you're looking at ground combat sports, dude, the amount of tears in like knees, shoulders, elbows, with all the talk and stuff you got going on, it's pretty common, so w where did you kind of come from with that? Man, you know what, it's, it's very hard, man, because with the sport like that, you're getting kicked, you're getting punched. And a lot of guys, they usually get hurt in, in more of like, honestly, in more of like wrestling and grappling than they do in sparring. Um, at least from, from my perspective with the elite guys, because they know how to take care of, it, of each other. But yeah, you got white collar shit where people are just swinging haymakers in the fucking sparring. You know, it's, I mean? it's super controlled, you know, unless, unless guys are like, they're agreeing on, yeah, we're getting fucking after it. And then, then it's like, Oh shit. But at the same time, even with me, even if I went hard in sparring, I never really got like structural damage from that. Like, but yeah. there was always something gone wrong in wrestling and grappling because those, those transitions and, and, you know, those scrambles and that right there, just from you just trying to be explosive and move quick to get a good, get an advantage or a good position that will put your body in a bad position or, or in a, in a disadvantageous position to cause certain injuries to happen. So I see that more so. And what I basically, I, I go back to it. I know I don't want to sound like a fucking broken record, but improving <laughs> on your movement, improving on your awareness is very key. When I started to implement more of like 
FRC principles and increasing mobility and active in range and then doing some more like animal flow movements and almost DNS style principles like the athletes were coming to me and they were telling me like coach I, I knew that I was in the ba in a bad position so I redirected and like I could really feel myself be more stable and like they don't really even understand or comprehend the fact that what stability really is it's yeah. like it feels good though like I feel like I'm ready to do something and that's a good thing because that's how you know when you get that feedback. It doesn't matter. And I and I and I go back to this too because young coaches they harp on this. And they fucking they 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 keep, you know, I guess they keep this as gold in some ways. Is is having that statistical data is very important, right? It's good to show, right? But at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck how well you went up in your max lifts or how well you increase your VO two or your lactate threshold. If you lose a fight or you lose the game. That shit don't matter, bro. Like, I'm sorry, but the skills coaches don't give a fuck about that shit. If you don't look good in a fight, even though you had all your numbers go up, and I've yeah. had that, I've had, I've had that happen a few times where I'm like, I'm scratching my head, like, what the fuck just happened? You know, it, it comes down to that. So they have to, they have to give you that feedback, and I have to see them do really well in their sport specific sparring and drilling and and practice because that's real. That's real dynamic correspondence right there. Yeah. You know, that's a real KPI. So, you know, the goal for us is again put them in the right positions to be successful whatever sport they play. Yeah, exactly, a hundred percent. I absolutely love that, man. It's 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 so 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 true. You know, you can't be reliant on that data all the time, and I think a lot of people they like to use it because you know it it, it seems sexy. It seems like they know what they're doing when they can harp on about all the numbers, and it's like, well, okay. Actually, motherfucker, this is going to transition to a point, uh, yeah. but then you need to make sure that everything on the other end is 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 receiving all of this good good data that you're putting into it. And it's like, okay, well, if it isn't coordinating and you're getting a fucking victory out of the fight, then you've got to strip back and ask yourself, okay, do I need to be pushing this to make this number look good, or actually, do I need to just increase your function of your hips a little bit more? Yeah, and I go. It's funny because like my main guys, my really elite, my world champions. They're not that great in the weight room. They might be shit in the weight room, actually, to be honest with you. But I know what I need to give them in order for them to win the fight. You know what I'm saying? And whatever I can, you know, bring to the table, whether it, it could be mobility, it could be, you know, whatever. It could be kinesthetic awareness. It could be um, having building up a little bit of strength in certain positions, like in accentuation phases, right? But at the end, I'm like, okay, we won that fight. That's a victory. Let's go. Let's go from there, right? Yeah. Now, on the flip side, I have guys that really, really are monsters in the weight room, and they get in the cage or they get in the ring, and you're like, man, what the fuck just happened? You just got mauled. Like, like you know what I'm saying? But I've seen, I've seen that actually in football, too, in any sport, really. It's like, you know, I think because they put a main focus on that, and they're not really paying attention to their overall skill. And, and I know that sounds kind of weird coming from, you know, the physical prep or the strength and conditioning guy. Yeah. But again, we're we're also athletes too, you know what I'm saying? And we exactly. competed, and we know that again. This is it definitely it definitely helps. Don't get me wrong. Like it, this gives us gives them the X factor, right? right? If you have guys that are equally talented, if you throw on a little bit of strength, a little bit of power, increase mobility, increase that range of motion, you know, speed, agility, all of that, that's gonna give them the edge. So now that's where we come in. Um, you know, in in my sport, you know, you have to have a large amount of conditioning in all aspects, whether it be cardiovascular. Oh, fuck time. Yeah. So, but, the, but again, I like what, you know, I like what, um, 
I like what a couple of coaches have been talking about recently. And that's, that's, and I'm talking skills coaches, you know, and these guys are saying like, for the most part in, in the skills training, they need to be doing some conditioning in there. And I mean, but I'm talking about true sports specificity yeah. because now what is sports specificity? It's fucking playing your fucking sport, dude. So, all right. So now, all right. So they're getting conditioning from an ultimately, you know, a directed correspondence, right? They're going in there, they're sparring hard. That's where they're going to get that conditioning that they're going to feel inside the fight. So for me, I need to, okay, what did you do in sparring? How did you feel? What energy systems did you work on? Okay, what didn't you work on? We're going to do that, right? So we plug the gaps now, you know, and that, and that is very important when you're getting closer to a fight because now skills training and specificity become the hierarchy of importance, Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, all right, now I know, okay, you've done – X amount of rounds in wrestling or, or MMA or MMA sparring, right? It's highly glycolytic. So stop fucking doing, you know, lactate circuits all year round. That's no fucking, doesn't make sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. You know and, and, and now it's not as bad, I think, because a lot of people, it's like a lot of people put it down. It's like almost like the, uh, the foot ladder. Everybody puts that down now. So a lot of people have shot away from that. They don't even want to put that out there. But I know some people still do. And, yeah. I, and I'm, in all actuality, when I'm trying to get local muscular endurance and I'm trying to improve, like, you know, lactate buffering, I'll do some of that. You know what yeah. I mean? But that, that is because they probably didn't get that inside of skills training. Yeah. Right? So if they didn't go to wrestling practice that week, okay, well, now I got to plug that gap. Yeah. So now we do some stuff. But the great thing, though, between wrestling and doing it in a controlled environment, I control the variables. So now I know exactly how much – of volume you need yeah i know that you're not going to get injured because again like i said when you're that fatigued and you have that much lactate buildup you're gonna you're gonna do some shit that's not as technically sound yeah right so and then we start that, rolling the dice and that's why i said with the grappling and the wrestling because it's highly glycolytic you have more injuries in, in that in that particular realm and that method of training you know yeah yeah 100 percent. now i'm really interested to, to to get onto it because i know I know, uh, well, as as a coach, and especially even from a business standpoint, you you know you're someone that is always about up in your game. You're always about yep. being on 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 the next wave coming through and being ahead of the ahead of the curve. So, as a coach who you know has done incredibly well and is doing incredibly well with some very very high end athletes, where are you then reaching your source info from? Where are you reaching out to? Which avenues are you going down? And for you as a coach, where are you taking those like big sources of inspiration to be like, okay, right, I know that these aspects of my coaching are absolutely sound, but I know that this person or this methodology is maybe getting that extra 2% out in the, the, this this area that I don't want to try and employ. Yeah, I mean, for me, I do like to go back to the old Soviet text, to be honest with you. Like, I mean... Don't get me wrong. There's and there's things that like I've learned so much and and I and I constantly try to learn every day that I forget a lot of shit too. So I have to go back. Like as you as you sit as I'm sitting here, man. Like I have, fuck, I have science of sports training. You know, I have old Verkashansky books. Like what we got? We got uh we got Medvedev. We got Verkashansky. I got uh obviously I have science of practice and strength training sitting next to me. So I always go back to that almost like the Bible. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and super training, the same thing. You've got to go back to that shit like four or five times just to get it. But, you know, I have books all over the place. But And then I'll go and I'll see guys that I know that have done it really well. And, and then I'll converse with them. And the great thing about having social media now is that 
we can connect on any level, right? I can DM a, a coach at the highest level and be like, what do you think about this? Or, or have this, has this worked for you and your guys? And, and then from there, like networking is very important at this time, you know? So I think if you're a young coach, man, don't be afraid to network and find a mentor that's going to help you can kind of guide you in a way. Um, and, and as far, as far as sources go, you know, like, I mean, anything on the internet now, you can Google anything. So it, that's the one thing that a lot of the older coaches didn't have, which I feel bad for them. Cause now we're ahead of the game. You can learn any fucking thing. Yeah, now. it's a fucking you know, thousand like, times easier for us than it ever was for those guys. Oh, sure, dude. So I don't, I mean, like, yeah, certifications are cool. Like, I like to, the reason why I like to do certifications, to be honest, in, in, in seminars and stuff and attend them is, um, is one for the networking opportunities. And then two, I get to do some hands on stuff, which is very important for me because I'm more of a physical learner. If you're an athlete, I feel like every, anybody. Dude, literally, it's like I'm fucking listening to myself right now, like 100%. Like, I can't, I, like, there's only so much I could be, like, looking at a book. Like writing out flashcards yeah. and stuff before I'm like literally someone fucking type of noose right now because I can't take it. Like I need to get in that space. I need to get underneath that. I need to be moving and I need my body to feel it because then as an athlete, I can then kind of use that trans transformation skill into the coaching realm to be like, okay, I know how this feels. I know how this should look. I know that you don't yeah. look anything like that. And this is now what we've got to do. I mean, you got to practice it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you can't show some, you can't tell somebody to do something. You ain't never fucking do it. Yeah. Like, that, that to me, you, you faking the funk. You can't do that shit. So, like. There's a lot of people out there, dude. There's a lot of people out there that are, though. You know what's funny, man? It's like, I do seminars, you know, I, I, I well, not right now, but I do seminars around the world. And last year I did like 12 countries, right? And, and not to knock anybody, but. The coaches, when we did like my basic dynamic warm up, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how are you gonna show this to your athletes? You can't even do it. Like, so you really, really, I mean, now to their defense, it was a new movement. So I'll give them that. But like, damn, bro, come on, coaches, let's get more coordinated here. You know what I'm saying? And some of them do. Some of them are really good movers, and don't get me wrong. And some of them can fucking lift. And I think that. That's another thing. I think I think a coach needs to get underneath the barbell. If you're going to teach somebody how to be strong, you need to learn how to get strong yourself. You know, and that was one thing that Louis taught me a long time ago. It's like, man, you can't fucking tell somebody or, you know, preach to preach to people about how strength is, is going to, you know, dictate all when you fucking are weak as a kitten. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that that's one thing. And, and on top of that, when you talk about buy-in, when I go out there and I, and I, and I compete or when I fucking – they see me in the gym and I'm lifting – Man, that gives them that that gives them the, st the stability in life to be like, yo, my coach actually does this shit and he's strong yeah. as fuck. I'm gonna listen to him not only because I know he knows what he's doing, but he does it himself and he does really well with it. So that's where again, it, coaches, young coaches, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're trying to get buy-in with your athletes, man, do the work that you are, you know, showing them to do, you know, or, or perform or programming it in. Yeah. So. Yeah, I yeah. completely agree, man. I completely agree. I, I love that. So, like, after the back of moving out of uh, rugby, I did a short stint in athletics, and I've now uh, moved across into strongman. So I'm now in the next kind of two years, hopefully looking to be at a position to be earning my pro card. So I'm super, super pumped for that. But it's, like, it's it's fantastic. Like, I was trained by literally some of the, the best rugby and fitness coaches in the fucking world, man. It was absolutely insane. And I've done sessions that... I don't wish on my worst enemy, man. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I have been to hell and back several times and it is not a pleasant journey. But the fact is that I then know in my heart of heart when I'm putting someone underneath that load or underneath that weight and I'm like, 
you need to feel this strain. You need to feel what it feels like to strain under that load to condition your body because you don't know it yet, but your body can do this shit. And it's not until you get under there and you go, huh, I didn't die. Huh, maybe there is something to this shit. And you're like, there you go. But for most coaches, when they put someone underneath load and they haven't experienced that and they're like, oh no, oh no. It's like, okay, well actually to an extent, maybe you're not actually giving your athletes the range that they need to develop in because there are going to be some some athletes, not every athlete, but some athletes that need to experience that and be in that, especially for particularly given sports. Yeah, it's funny. Like, again, I'll go back to it because I got the interns in here now. And it's like they don't know load management, like because of the fact that a lot of them haven't got under, under, under a bar for a long enough time. So, like, they'll be like, all right, you'll make your jumps like you make your, your standard jumps and they'll fucking make these astronomical jumps. And I'm like, yo, you didn't see him struggle with that fucking <laughs> four pounds on the damn Chuck bar, another bro. 45 on. Let's go, baby. <laughs> what made you think that that was going to happen? Like, because it didn't. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> but you only know that when, and then again, it's like, you can see, you can identify when something's going to go wrong. You know what I'm saying? Cause you've been there. So you're like, hold on. Yeah. Stop. yeah. You're like, All right, let's get braced. All right, let's lock this down. And you get, and you get behind him, you get it going. Yeah. And that's why like with my athletes now, it's like, I'll have to always make sure if they're going for like a PR, if they're hitting like one rep max or something like that, where there's a huge amount of load, I'm always behind them because they feel super secure now. You know what I'm saying? Because they know that for a fact that if shit goes wrong, I got them. But also doubly, you're breathing down their fucking neck and you are in their ear as well. And that, that is also, that's something to be said that when when you're in that position and you've got that coach or that person that you respect that's in your ear, that's like, motherfucker, you better get up out of that hole. It's like, okay, time time to add that extra five, 10% that I didn't quite think was in there. It's, a, it's an excitatory response, right? So if I'm going to go ahead and I know that a guy did, let's say, a double and it was slow as shit, but I know he has the strength to do more, I'll get behind him and that shit shoots up like it ain't nothing. And I'm like, oh, so what happened? <laughs> yeah, dude, I did the same shit. I'm like, oh, welcome to the session, motherfucker. Nice of <laughs> you to join us. Good morning, motherfucker. <laughs> I see it, man. I'm like, hey, listen, you just need a little bit of testosterone behind you. That's all. That's <laughs> it. Let's go, baby. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, man. Like, I, uh, I'm really, really interested to ask this. I wrap up the, the the show the same way with everyone. I ask the same question, and everyone comes at it from a slightly different angle. So, just, uh, j- just be you. So, for a second, I want you to imagine that you are stepping into a time machine, and you're gonna go back in time. And when you get there, you are greeted by your younger self, 10, 11, 12 years of age. You have your whole life ahead of you. You have all of these struggles, these journeys, yeah. these hardships that you're going to have to go through in your life. And you get to spend a few moments with your younger self and you can impart a bit of wisdom, some knowledge, yeah. a mantra, a way to live by. What do you give to your younger self to help them navigate through those fucking strange tides to the place of which you have created the success and wealth that you currently have today? What are you giving to them? You know, one thing I would always tell even the younger guys that I'm that I'm working with now is you have to develop the ability to organize your life appropriately. And the reason why I say this is because I didn't have a large amount of guidance when it comes down to that. So like I would be here and be here. I'm look, listen, I'm very, very 
like I'm aggressive. I'm an aggressive person. Um, you know, I want to get a lot done. You know, I feel like at the end of the day, I'm willing to do work and I'm willing to work hard. So that never was something that I had to talk myself into. But what I would say was that organizational planning was something that I lacked very, very badly. And it was it was to the point where I had to renegotiate everything that I was doing and reevaluate every system that I was trying to utilize. So from there, I would tell myself, listen, young sir, you need to fucking organize your goddamn life, right? Get it together. But I would say this and I would give them the tactical, uh, the tactical response, how to actually do this. Not just tell them, because at the end of the day, I could tell somebody to do something, but then they're like, well, how do I do it? So you have to make sure you give them that those tactics. And what I usually do now, and I still do this to this day, is I organize my day the night before, right? And I do it the night before because there's going to be things that are going to be important that'll come up. And that was the one thing that fucked me up because I, I tried to do it as a, let's say, a younger adult, let's say in my 20s. But I'm like, man, shit comes up and I, and I have to do this and it takes me away from my my plans. But I would plan this out like a month in advance. You can't plan that, especially with things going on nowadays. It's like if you got multiple things going on, you better be able to, one, be able to adapt first and foremost. But you need to make sure that you can close down that gap of when you're actually going to organize your time. So I'll make sure that that night before I know exactly the tasks at hand that need to get done at a certain amount of time. And I use, you know, Parkinson's law, like you've got to get it done at this amount of time for this amount of, you know, for whatever time frame that we have, it needs to get done at that particular time. And that becomes the sole focus point. So and another thing I would tell myself, and this kind of makes sense, go hand in hand, is focus on the task at that particular time. Do not have your mind in 20 different places. So focus and organization is the two things that I would slap myself in the face and tell to get it get, get it going. Yeah, man, 100%. I, I 100% feel you on every single point there. It's, yeah, it's like I'm... I'm hearing like flashbacks from like every school report I ever fucking had. It's uh... <laughs> you got all this drive, but like the direction's like a fucking hose pipe, and you're like, okay, let's just get this solid stream, and you'll go so much further. Listen, listen an ambition, an ambitious person can do very well as long as they're streamlined, right? An ambitious, like I'm super ambitious. And I think that that, that and, and you you can't you can't learn that. I think that's something that's embedded in you. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, was man. born with that shit. So I needed to check myself on a daily basis and be like, man, that's not what we're that's not what we're here for. Yeah. I know you want to do this, but that's not what we're here for. You know. And when I was focused, man, I was my most successful. No matter what I was doing, whether it be MMA, whether it be you know doing a powerlifting meet, whether it be doing a fucking bodybuilding show, I did that shit too. That was crazy, right? I focused in on that for a solid amount of time and I was successful. It was when I had multiple things going on and I wasn't truly focused on the ultimate goal is where I was not successful. You know, I, I dropped my first, my first three pro fights. I lost because I was not focused and I didn't get, you know, I didn't get the proper training because I opened up my gym like a year after I, I turned pro. So now I'm trying to build a business. And I'm trying to build a very successful business. So now my focus is all over the place. I tell my fighters now, one of my guys who's very, who, who's at his peak right now, he just got a contract with the UFC. He wow. wanted to start a fucking supplement company. I was like, bro, calm down. 
was like, focus on what you're fucking great at right now. Yeah. Get that the fucking title in. and then all yeah. that shit can like, come oh, I, I think I need to strike when the iron's hot. I'm like, no. You need to fucking focus on that particular thing that's going to get you to the point where you can have fun with that at the end of the day, right? Because, listen, you're not going to fight for the rest of your life. You're not going to be an athlete. For the, you're not going to be a competitive athlete yeah. for the rest yeah. of, your, of your life. So you need to make sure that you have that soul fucking tunnel vision focus while you have the time to do so. That's you know? exactly it. It's, it's, it's the whole thing, man. Like patience is a virtue. And it's like, yes, yeah, sometimes you just want to go, 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 go. But just holding back that little bit more. And like yeah. you said, striking when the iron's hot. 100%. Man, you're just going to get so much more from it. But man, I tell you what, it's been an absolute goddamn fucking pleasure speaking with you today, man. I could listen to you talk all day long, man. It's, it's, it's really, really awesome. Man. I do hope we can get you on here at some other point to, uh, to check. Cause I've got, <laughs> again, I've got like 25 different show notes. We haven't even fucking touched on yet. Man. <laughs> it's all good. We'll do a part two. No worries. We'll Hell do a part yeah. A hundred percent, man. Well, I hope you have a fucking awesome day, man.